This episode of the The Adventure Zone Zone brought to you by Dove Soap. Dove, love the skin you're in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Adventure Zone Zone. How come I can't do that voice? Can you just let me fucking do the intro? Sure, fine. Guests of the The Adventure Zone Zone stay at their respective houses. The, the, The Adventure Zone Zone is also sponsored by Viking Cruises. I'm Laura Dern and have been the whole time. Winners of the Adventure Zone Zone are going to space camp. <gasps> really? The Adventure Zone Zone is filmed at Buena Vista Studios, Buena Vista, California. Um, hey, what are we doing here? Uh, this I, is the Adventure right now, Zone funny Zone. jokes. Yeah, okay. you're not letting me fucking host. I'm hosting it. This is the... <laughs> it's such a good name. The, the Adventure Zone Zone, a podcast about a podcast called The Adventure Zone that we all made together. And we still do, but different. Um, my name is Justin McElroy. I played the character I'm, of Taco on the Adventure Zone. Balance. I'm I'm Travis McElroy. I play Magnus. Justin, do you think there are people who are listening to this episode who don't already know that? <laughs> it's a weird place to start, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Griffin, I'm Griffin McElroy. I did every, all the other characters. I'm Clint McElroy, and I played Merle Hightower. The nope, med- nope. I love I- it. High Church, High Church, fucking shitting me. That uh, that was uh, an incredible, probably the best loved character of the the entire best loved, least remembered in terms of last names. Well, the fans remember me. Um, If on the odd chance you are starting this, like this is going to be completely a spoiling thing for the previous arc of our show, Balance. Which now at the end of it, I wish we'd called Bonds, but I think Balance is fine. Okay. Um, well, it's too late. I wish you had said something earlier. I wish I had. It, it occurred to me as I was listening to the finale for the umpteenth time. But um, can everybody sign? I just heard two different phone notifications. It's dad. It's dad. Off. He's always got his shit cranked, and I'm I trying to blow it off. Listen, you don't. He. Everybody's hitting him up now. Like, hey, I heard you on Adventures on Balance. Will you come on my thing and forget how to play a game on my show? Um, everybody wants dad to come on and forget how to do stuff on their so show now. Hot right now. <laughs> Griffin, <laughs> yes. I want to start out with like a general question, and we've got a bunch of questions from listeners, um, but I want to ask some of our own questions. Yeah, I think that would be um, good if we started out by just, sort of, if, if you all have questions for me now that the campaign's done and you all know everything. Um, I am curious if you can, and I mean, I know that this stuff is always sort of like, so, what's wrong, Dan? I don't know why this is still making sounds. The iPad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Give me your iPad. You're going to turn it off. I'm going to now I'm going to sit on it until it breaks like I'm a gorilla. <laughs> no, you okay, that's muted. It shouldn't be yeah, doing I know. this. You heard oh, it. Oh this god, this show. is top notch. So, Griffin, can you describe to me in a, in, a, in an abbreviated form, I guess, how the like in what order the sort of main keystones of the story sort yeah. of came to you? Like what the inception of it was and and how it sort of built over time in your head so like it all it started with the lost minds of fandelver book that comes with the starter kit uh fifth edition starter kit um which is really which is really great i really enjoyed um when i was in town for when we were making the tv show um justin ran a quick game for us uh for for me and the smurls and we all played basically the same adventure and so justin got an idea of like the other ways that it could have gone, because there's a lot of other stuff in that book that I kind of condensed and fast forwarded through. So, because by like episode two, really, like I knew I wanted to move on to original stuff. 
Um, and by the time we reached the end of uh, Here There Be Gerblins, I had a, a an outline for like what the structure of the story was. I talked, I've, I've talked about how like I, it had a very video gamey structure of you all getting the seven, you know, goals. There's, it's it's got to be seven always, every time. Uh, they could have been fucking power pendants. They could have been magic crystals or whatever. But this time they were the grand relics. Um, and can I, can I, can I ask, cause this is something I always want to ask people who like run shows like this at that point, how far ahead did you know? Like, did you have a concept for the finale? Did you know like what characters would end up being a much bigger part of it? Um, no, there's, and I don't want to give away too much because we're going to be like diving. There's a lot of very, very granular, very specific questions about stuff like this. Um, but the answer is like, I had like the very, very, very loose structure of the campaign in, in mind. I had like all of the Bureau of Balance stuff figured out. Um, but the arcs, like I figured out what the next arc was going to be while we were doing the previous arc. Um, and really, I think by the time we got to Crystal Kingdom, I kind of realized like, okay, it, the rubber really needs to meet the road here, and I need to start setting up sort of the bigger picture stuff. And that's why we got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. In it's funny if you go back and listen to Gerblins, and you go back and listen to Rockport Limited; those were both, I think, good little self-contained things that ultimately like have very little bearing on the rest of the campaign at large. Um, when we meet the red robe at the end of Petals to the Metal, like that was the first sort of hint that I was giving like, okay, there is a bigger thing going on here. And then in Crystal Kingdom, it was like, that was me setting up the, you know, the planar system stuff and the uh, multiverse stuff and more red robe stuff. And yeah, um, that's where you all got the patches, which sets up the IPRE. Like, so by I think by Crystal Kingdom, I had... I pretty much knew what was going on. I knew that you all were the red robes. I knew that um, I, I, I knew a lot of that stuff, uh, but it really took, some... sorry, go ahead. But I, I, it, but it really took like a lot of playing to like get to that point to like know what the, what the story was going to be. Do you remember for me, so much of the story sort of hinges on the void fish. Do you remember when the idea of the void fish came to you and like what problem that was trying to solve? Um, I mean, partially, I think when it started, it was uh, solving for the structure of it, right? Of you all trying to get these very, very powerful relics. And the question would have been, like, if these relics exist, why isn't everybody trying to get at them all the time? Why wouldn't your characters know about them already if these, like, seven immensely powerful objects existed in the world and you are all were adventurers and these things were capable of like mass destruction how would you not know about their usage up to this point um and so it was a kind of started as a way to like introduce this thing in a way where your characters wouldn't have known about it but obviously like what the void fish was after i'd introduced it like that i realized it could it could mean like a whole lot more and we could you know introduce a lot of different narrative stuff involving like you all having other memories that were suppressed and yeah so 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 the void fish became a a much bigger thing i think when we meet lucas and uh, i think like lucas and johan have a scene with the void fish that is kind of where i started to like figure out like okay no the void fish is is a bigger is a much much bigger thing here 
And is that where you decided you would kill Johan and make everyone sad? Or did that just come later because you were just feeling really bloodthirsty? Or, <laughs> um, I mean, I can talk about that. Like, Johan's whole deal, that was one of, in, in my mind, like one of the bigger themes of the show is like um, uh, how people respond with the to the idea of how people respond to the fact that like you aren't always going to be here and that the works that you create and the things that you do outlive you and so Johan, yeah a legacy like so johan was like a, a a big thing there right like a lot of the conversations you had was like him talking about like oh well i want to be a great musician but i'll never be remembered because of this um and when i first heard void fish plural the track from um Rachel Rose Mitchell that we used in the the penultimate episode. Um, when I actually like heard that song, that firmed up in my mind what that what those moments were going to be, what that payoff was going to be, and I really liked the idea of just like Johan's work, not only like uh, outliving him, but being fucking like broadcast to every person across all of the planes. I thought that that was like a really uh, cool moment, and so like was, that's kind of when that firmed up. Was Johan? Okay, was the voice at the beginning of every episode supposed to be Johan? No. Okay, so this is also a question that we got. Um, the voice at the beginning, and I don't, I don't know if I did a great job setting this up, and maybe I should just leave it a little bit more obscure. But the voice in my in my mind was the story of the story and song that was being sent out, that was being like broadcast by, I guess, Junior. I guess the voice was Junior, right? Because Fisher put out the song and Junior put out the story. And so I I, I thought it would be cool if the podcast was kind of the story in a way and you were hearing everything um, that that Junior like knew about this world and, and the events that happened in it. Um, and... So like that's why in the finale there is no You don't hear from it. Yeah. You don't hear the you don't hear the deep voice in the finale because they say at the in the penultimate episode like that's all I know. It's it, you're all caught up. That's everything that I know. Let's find out what happens together. And then the finale is like all of us seeing what happens together. It's no longer the story being told by Junior. It's just like the thing. I really I dig that shit in basically all forms of media. This idea of just um uh, like meta meta narrative and like this the the things that you are experiencing in whatever it is the game the movie the book whatever is part of a character inside of the work transmitting it in a way um the zero escape games do that in a way that i think is like really cool and so like i kind of wanted to take a stab at that um i'm gonna we got more questions for griffin obviously that and i'm sure we'll have some organically that come up but uh uh, since we could bloviate about our own bullshit for hours on end, I'm going to try to keep this on the rails a little bit with another question from a listener that's directed to everybody. You all mentioned, and not Griffin, so get bent. Uh, you all mentioned you cried during the finale. Which specific moment made you emotional enough to cry? And I will direct I, this at Father first. Oh, um, I, uh, <laughs> this sounds, I don't want to sound self-serving. Okay. Dad, we're I, literally doing a show talking about our own show. Yeah, we are serving ourselves. I guess we're I supposed to be I don't think you got to worry about that. Like, okay. if you start talking about your favorite episode of Battlestar Galactic, I think that'd be way weirder. Oh, man. The one where... Uh, nope. Starbuck. Okay. Um, all right. If it's about the finale, the one time I can remember uh, crying was, um, it was Myrtle's last scene with... Uh, 
Stop looking at me, Juice. Merle's last scene with Mavis when uh, she talked about how proud she was of how well he was doing. And he said, I love you, baby, because that was that was kind of me telling you guys the, the same thing. Gross. That it, yeah, yeah what it is gross. What a nerd. <laughs> but because I was, I was so proud to be part of it. And, you know, and so, yeah, so. And I, I cried every time Tom Bodette died. How's Done. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're That's out, fair. Travis. Go. Then you cried zero times because I don't think you ever did. Travis, um, bury your soul. So for me, I think this will not come as a surprise to anyone who listened to it. But basically, like every the last twenty th- minutes, yeah, everything that happened in the wrap up. Um, but uh, I, I based a lot of Magnus's backstory and motivation and stuff on. Oh, not to get too super real for him. We lost our mom uh, when I was 21. So I based a lot of like his motivation to do good on that. Um, and so the moment where uh, Magnus says to Julia that he just tried to make her proud of him is from a very personal place for me and how I live my life day to day. So like that. And I think also just getting, just having a resolution to the story of Magnus was very, very fulfilling for me because I really liked um, over the course of so many episodes and so many years having the chance to kind of unfold it as we went and the fact that you really didn't get a lot of his backstory until, like, I think the fourth arc, I think until 11th hour, maybe? Yeah, in the the flashback Temptation episode. Yeah, and so, like, getting to, like, slowly kind of build to that moment and getting to have an actual cap on it was both uh emotional for the character but also very satisfying for me as the creator of magnus and just it was it was a relief to have that moment so that i want to i want to add one quick let me add one quick thing before we that your mom's fingerprints are all over this story absolutely yeah and i yeah. want to tell everybody the the whole choose joy attitude that was leslie mcelroy i mean that was that was her defining uh personality trait and you know we that rings out through i think the whole series and uh so certainly she, certainly in like most of merle's like serious interactions with people yeah. of which there were like a lot in the back half of the of the podcast juice did you get weepy in the i i was i i, I edited it obviously but i didn't i didn't hear any you know deep travis sobs uh no no sobbing i'm 36 okay. so okay you no, fucking um, tweeted a whole thing about how crying is good and yeah i'm putting I, everybody I, on blast no i'm not trying to put everybody on blast you know what got to me i okay i didn't feel that way while we were recording because the that part of my I couldn't mm, I felt like I couldn't let myself get that sort of emotionally um I there's just too much going on in my brain uh, show wise right. but like re-listening um especially the parts I'll tell you the parts that hit me is the parts that we didn't hear but we would re-listen I had a um this is kind of weird but uh, when new Adventure Zone episodes come out, I will often like sneak into 
a rabbit stream or a discord i did that in the finale and i totally ghost i did not announce that i was there and i know it's a creepy thing but i i really wanted to know what it was like to see people listen to it for the first right time. and and i did that i listened to the end of the penultimate episode and i i mean i cried and i like cheered and like fist up in the air like yelling like i was like so jized and we hadn't heard that part during the show the part about johan you're gonna fight and you're you're going to have to fight and you're going to win and like i just found that so um inspirational and sort of like uh i don't know like a very good antidote for a lot of the messages of the world at that time which is this time now yeah uh and i and i found that uh, and and that actually leads me to a question griffin like um did, well, I wanted to, I wanted to mention real quick. I had a, oh. I had a, I had a moment, and I don't think it kind of came through. But I was getting really choked up, and it was really really hard for me to keep talking. Um, and for me, that moment was Travis had just said in Thieves Can't to Carrie, "Are you ready?" And Carrie gestures back, "I'm ready." And then I go into like the description of the wedding, which was really 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 important to me. And not only that, I I knew. That was it. That was the last monologue. You guys were done talking. The game was, this was it. This was the last thing. And for me, it it had nothing to do with like what was happening in the narrative as much as it had to do with like, when I said I'm ready, I was literally saying like, I'm, I'm ready to send this story that we've all worked on and is so, 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 so special to me. I'm ready to like send it off. And so that whole last monologue, I was, I was fighting off, fighting off tears the whole time. Um, can can I can I also to to that point I do also want to say so during Magnus's send off is you know when I was like crying but my favorite kind of emotional payoff for me um just in like the more organic uh collaborative storytelling is the fact that Magnus got to have like a best friend yeah for like, sure I I I loved everything with Taco and Merle but that was like. <laughs> A, a relationship unto itself but like the fact that we got to build really organically a relationship that was just like a very interesting friendship between uh carrie and magnus made me so happy that's that kind of thing in media when you get to see people become friends is way more interesting to me than any like romantic storyline in a tv show or movie is watching two people you would never expect be yeah, friends become that's, friends, and that's that's tough. That's like difficult to pull off. Like romance is, is is tough to pull off, and obviously, like this was this was all our first stabs at like making fiction in this way, and so like that was something I was, I was nervous about, was, you know, delivering on some different romance threads. But like I and I I really loved that stuff. But like I I really loved like uh, Taco and Angus's you know fr- friendship and mentorship, and Taco and Joaquin's. Uh, friendship and uh, Magnus and Carrie and John and Merle. Holy shit. Like all of that, all of those like relationships that started from zero and then, you know, turned into something else I thought was like it's, really good. It's really, it's kind of interesting to me that a show that is made by a family is not, re- is more, is much, 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 much more about found families than it yeah. is mm-hmm. about family literally. I mean, even. If you think about it, even the family that is our literal blood had to be found in the story. You know, it right. wasn't inbuilt in the characters. But, like, I, I think that there's something so moving about people choosing to be family that I think right. is, like, really 
powerful and beautiful. Okay, listen, we're we're like almost twenty minutes in, and we've gotten one listener question, so we need to speed yeah, let's, things let's crank, up. Let's I need brevity in your answers, Griffin. How soon did you know you were going to bring back Barry Blue Jeans? Um. So obviously, Fuck. I obviously I knew by Seven Birds, right? End of Crystal Kingdom. At that point, when I said who the Seven Birds were going to be, I knew I knew who they all were, right? Luke Davenport, uh, Lucretia, Barry, and the three of you. Um, so probably, probably, it was probably during Crystal Kingdom. During Crystal Kingdom, again, like I mentioned, was the time where I was like, okay, I need to figure out what the bigger thing is, how it's going to wrap up, and I need to start setting down breadcrumbs to get us there. And so, uh, probably, probably around then, I said a lot of stuff, like, Barry's dead. Uh, I think I did actually at one point say Barry's never, ever coming back, which was... Yes, you did. You lied about that. That was the only lie, right? And I'm sorry I did that. But the rest of the time, I tried to be coy about it. Like, yeah, Barry's Barry's dead. He is dead. He's a lich. But whatever. Uh, By the way, and the the boys can attest to this, that episode, I think it was like 58, where I brought Barry back, I was so scared. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I wanted that payoff to be so good and you guys could hear it in my voice i remember like we had to stop a couple times during that bit while we were like getting to the end of like the wonderland stuff and i was like okay give me a minute because i needed to like collect myself because i really 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 wanted that to 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 land and now that we know that he listens you're welcome tom arnold holy yes. shit you're welcome that's, yeah that's been a for bringing back your career uh yeah <laughs> well your career yeah, i don't know about that also thank you for the stupids it's a great movie it I is love- uh uh Sniper, I should mention Kate was the one who asked that question. I don't think I got that in. Yeah, um, and also Aqua Forchette asked the uh, one about crying. Okay, uh, Sniper Joe asked, Travis, did you consider calling on Julia during the fight with Final John? Holy hmm. shit, did people in the live feed that I was watching Oh, they were this. so ready for it. Well, so here's the, here's the thing. To that point, I have always envisioned, and people have asked about this, I do envision Julia being... Uh, a very uh, a bat- uh, competent, a yeah. yeah, being a badass. Uh, people have talked about like, did they fight side by side? And about, yeah, duh. Uh, but I think um, in that moment, honest to God, it never crossed my mind because that would be not the right moment for that to happen. Yeah, as, um, as somebody who like thought about who you all might summon with the bonds, I thought that there was a chance that it would happen, and we could do the we could do the reunion there, right? And Julia would do like some cool stuff because I am fucking all about um, women having power and agency in this world. Obviously, um, for for me, I thought it could go either way. If you did it, we could we could. Uh, I I, th- I do not think it would have been. It would not have been difficult to find a way for her to have like some powerful effect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would have removed a lot of the power from the ending. I think it would. I think it would have. I think it would have been. I think it would have taken away something from the reunion at the end of the episode. So that that was the trade off. Like we could either do it then and have like a cool reunion thing there and like a cool moment of of Julia doing some badass stuff, and then maybe the ending wouldn't hit quite as hard as I think it absolutely did, thanks to that incredible song by Reader. Um, the the song just called Julia, which by the way, that was a tricky thing to include in the show and attribute without giving the moment away. Um, or 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 we could just like you could just not do it, and we do have that that sort of powerful. Well, to, to the thing, uh, the the convention of the Bond summons was tricky because I was still trying to play strategically yeah. while also thinking story wise. So, like, I will say that as far as did I consider, um. It really didn't occur to me because just from a storytelling perspective, that was not the right time for that reunion. Like it just, it wouldn't have felt, it would have felt forced. 
And I bet at least um, subconsciously you had faith that Griffin was going to resolve. Yeah, I think one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, here's a question f- uh, from Eva. Uh, uh, somebody's got that highlighted. I can't. Okay, it was me. Uh, Dad, did Merle ever try to resolve things with Hecuba? No, I don't think so. I really Merle's don't. A strange wife. Okay, here's the thing. One of the one of the things we we tried to show in like the second half of the whole arc was that Merle was trying to be a better dad, but Merle was a horrible husband. Yeah. It was better to try to forge something new with his kids. Uh, and by the way, thanks to the one person who pointed out that that uh, Mavis was actually his stepdaughter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was... And Mookie was his child. Right. And that um... he was, but he was still trying to be a dad to both of them. And, and that was, and, and that... I think we both, well, I don't know about Griffin, but that happened kind of spur of the moment. But I, you know, I think we needed a father's perspective somewhere in there. It was so weird how many things in the show are spur of the moment things. And there was a lot of things, and this is a weird, I've never experienced this in other creative works, but a lot of times I open my mouth on this show and my thought was I hope this is true because yeah. like that 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 a lot of the stuff especially early on we were just saying whatever dumb shit came to our heads and we never really stopped that impulse we just had like more footing and like I had I had to have a lot of faith in in them but also myself that like the things that I'm saying are I hope the things that I'm saying are true um but they, they and, always were, and that's one of the things that I think was great about the about the story we told is like it always was true. If you said it, it was it was true. That's kind of how D and D works, right? But at the same time, true to the narrative of what we were making and true to the game, and also you have to remember, like I've been in Taco Skin for three years, so like there's stuff that I hope it's true to like the beginning of the story and what and the things he has said. You know, it is impossible to have a canonical sort of like uh, understanding of everything he has said at every point in the story. Um, but there were times when we couldn't do. I'll, I'll I'll highlight one example that I can think of when we were supposed to what looked like turn on the Bureau of Balance. Yeah, and, God, that was such a tricky episode. It was really hard because, it, and you and I. The thing, background, Justin and I record in the same room. Right. And so, you know, we, we don't make a lot of eye contact or anything like that. But I think we were Just both in life. They they never right. look at It's very different business. Well, we don't look at people. But that was that was a very weird moment because, you know, I felt like we were being led in one direction, but it just didn't feel right. And we had to stop and tell Griffin, like, hey. I understand the story needs to go here, but you're going to have to give us something more because we don't feel it. That moment was kind of like a lot of my fears as DM and like storyteller for this podcast kind of realized in that I kind of understood like I, I haven't, I have not set this up maybe enough. I do not know that I have necessarily earned this thing because ultimately I wasn't asking you to turn on the Bureau of Balance and Lucretia and like betray them and if you thought in that moment that like Lucretia was going to be the final boss or whatever, I could understand your trepidation and because I didn't I we definitely didn't earn that. I was trying to set up kind of a different thing of just like I want you all to investigate this thing a little bit deeper, but I think I made it feel like 
the other thing just because I didn't necessarily set that up um, well, e- enough. It is. It and is also that, re- it, it, that's why it was so interesting just from my point of view of like taking Magnus, who was maybe the most lawful good of the three of them, and then investing like starting i think in 11th hour like nope you're a red robe and there's a whole bunch of shit you don't know about and you have to break your own rules to figure it out and that was super hard just to complicate things even further because magnus i think did have that magnus did have that context the context magnus did want to investigate and taco and merle did not and i think that Mm -hmm. led to some interesting friction and ultimately i love the way that it turned out because what happened was especially with taco taco's reasoning didn't turn to all right let's fucking I, I, I don't his his thing wasn't okay I don't trust the bureau of balance let's find out what's going on taco turned to I don't trust anyone and that was such an interesting character thing to then work back from in the finale and I think it make if you think about all that stuff all happening in the same day I think it makes a lot of the moments in the finale like a lot more powerful and taco goes from like fuck everything to I'm going to save everything like it's, and I, I think it was a good payoff um, the, and it also is moments like that that are why the accusations that I sometimes see on Reddit, um, what's up Reddit, of like railroading from Griffin ring <laughs> hollow because we could not be railroaded into something we didn't want to do. I mean, like, yeah, we create collaboratively and with guidance from Griffin. Like, but if it's something that like didn't make sense for our characters or the story, we just wouldn't fucking do it. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about Reddit, um. A lot of people talk about Homestuck all the time. I don't know what that is. Yeah. And a pop, people have, have basically said, like, this is just like Homestuck. This is directly lifted from Homestuck. I have no fucking clue what Homestuck is. I know some of I know a little bit. I, I've read, like, a little bit of the beginning of Homestuck, and I Do not I, at me. Well, I thought I understood what it was, but then I read, like, a wiki roundup of what it is, and it's like, oh, no, it's completely different from what it was. But as far as I can tell, it is also, like, a, a, a piece of fiction that dealt a lot with, like, alternate reality stuff and multi multiverse stuff and And it was the first piece of media to ever do that no but i think it was a very popular piece of media that did that for a web audience that has a lot of crossover between ours and and uh, their audiences it also apparently ends with a um a a a lesbian wedding uh, between two characters like that is also the ending of it so like okay yeah i guess there are some parallels but there were a lot of people i i really this stuff does not bother me at all because it's i every time we put out a new episode it was like oh did you take that from um when we did the Robot Kingdom a Stolen Century episode, people were like, ooh, somebody's been playing Nier Automata. And it's like, I haven't played it yet. Um, but okay. And that's not to say, like, and that's not to try, like, I know we probably sound defensive at this point, but it's really, because there are many things that it's like, oh, was that, like, okay, uh, when I called my uh, assistant uh, on the show, uh, on my, on Tizalipataka, when I decided his name was Cezed, that's because I was reading... Yeah, straight up. series at the time, and that was a character that I really liked on that show, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, here's a little I, I feel like something we're pretty str- for you. So yeah, I do do that sometimes, <laughs> really, just well, not but in I, this exact I, instance. I'm not defensive about it at all, uh, at all, because I can't be defensive about it, because I did pull a lot of inspiration from a lot of different things when we were making the story, um, and I, I, I try to be really forthcoming when, when we talk about that stuff, right? Like, Crystal Kingdom was inspired by us getting into the Alien series, and so I wanted to make sort of a sci-fi 
you know, monster hunt kind of thing. And uh, Pedals to the Metal was all Fast and the Furious because I had just gotten into that series when we were watching that. So, like, it, it really doesn't bother me. Uh, there are a ton of parallels, as far as I can tell, between Adventure Zone and Homestuck. But, like, I, I just have not. Uh, I it it was not a as enormous an inspiration as I think people thought it was just because I um it sounds really cool and I know some some cool folks who have worked on it but I uh, I just I don't know that much about it I think it'll be connected to this can we read can we do the question from Gull Gull Shriek uh, yeah we can bounce yes. around this list I I don't see why we don't need to uh, okay. was there anything that was discussed for story or character development that happened in advance okay. Never, right? Yeah, never. I mean, it, it, you're talking about like, did we have a call when we were not recording? We're like, okay, well, what if? No, well, no, we did not. We when ab- I, and I've seen that a couple of different times, and I think that is also ties in with what you were talking about before, because we did not discuss what was coming. If if it ever happened, it was in the vaguest of generalities where Griffin would say, uh, you're going to have to make some tough choices or something you yeah. know, along those lines. Well, there but was it, stuff like like the items that we crafted, right? During Stolen Century, where Griffin would send us the mechanic and say, like, think about what you'd like, or but, right. like, or but something never, along the lines of, like... But never story stuff, because I, yeah. I, I, I cannot stress this enough. Nobody knew the things that I had planned. Like, yeah. Rachel, Rachel didn't no, like I didn't. I didn't tell Rachel. I didn't tell you guys. I didn't tell anybody. Um, which I talked about in the last one was like a really isolating thing that I kind of struggled with because um, I had no idea whether or not this stuff was going to pay off like I thought it would in my mind. But I really wanted those moments where it's like, "Hey, Magnus, you're a red robe. Hey, Taco, you've got a twin sister." And that 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 led to some. I think we were figuring it out on the fly how to respond to that stuff. I know when we started Stolen Century, like Justin actually had some struggles with the fact that there was this major character in his life that I had sort of kept hidden this, this this whole time. And how do I like all of a sudden, since we're in the past, like have this character be very, very important to me when I know virtually nothing about them by show. it was also this feeling of like, I have envisioned an entire life for this character. But if I had kind of had my head on a bit more of a swivel, I would have realized that like, that is, exactly what taco went through i mean it's exactly yeah. what yeah. taco had his reality shattered it was, by the it, realization. Was, it was well, so important to me not to take that away from taco and we straight up when we recorded the first episode of stolen century when we were about five minutes in we had to stop and we talked for maybe a half hour this this is maybe the most of um this is maybe the most this thing that you that you asked about um where we stopped for a half hour we stopped recording and we just like hash it out because I super didn't want to take away Taco's like independence and Taco's, um, you know, backstory of just like, you know, sort of f- fighting for every scrap he can get his hands on because it informs so much about Taco. And I think you thought by me introducing Loop that I had taken all that away. And there were a lot of people who were super critical of of the fact that I had done that who thought the same thing. And I can't stress enough, like that was not my intention. And I don't think that's what introducing loop did it was just like you both went through this stuff well, and, you and were i was both... also also a little worried that it was like well now we have two tacos you know well, like the but but at the same time but as we got to know her obviously loop is very different from taco which is yeah. very cool and that leads us excellently into this question from laura kate dale uh at what point in developing the show griffin did you decide to have loop be a trans character and how did feedback end up i loved her um, so pretty early on, I, I 
knew that Luke was going to be a a, a trans character. Um, Wait, and... can I can I ask a preface to it? When did you know Luke was going to exist? That I'm curious about that. When did you decide Taco would have a sister? Yeah, I guess I can talk about that first. Like a lot of people were like, "Well, did you know when Taco took the umbrella from the red robe that it was Luke?" And the answer was like, "No, not at that point. I didn't. I knew that that character was a red robe, and." all of the pieces kind of came together when I figured out who it would be. And I matched up the fact that like loop made the Phoenix fire gauntlet. So that's why she was there. Um, and that answered a lot of questions about that. Uh, I don't, when loop, when I figured out loop was going to exist again, I think it was probably around crystal kingdom when I figured out like who all the red robes were going to be. Um, as, as for loop being a, a trans woman, I knew pretty early on. Um, I kind of struggled with it because I wanted to, I, it was really important to me that I, try to do a good job of that and because i i know that that particular form of representation uh is there have been a lot of examples of that sort of not not being so great and i did not want to be just another sort of bullet point on a very long list of of you know bad trans representation in in fiction um and i get kind of uncomfortable being honest if, if, if i'm being honest like talking about this because it is a thing that i um stressed out about because there i i a, a lot of that comes from the fact that this is like our first time doing fiction so like making good characters uh of of any sort of uh type are is, is a tricky thing um and i i'm uncomfortable with the idea of like saying like yeah we we crushed it um the so so travis actually put out a tweet saying like we we want to have you know trans characters on the show uh will you please message us and tell us like what what is important to you in in how we handle that um and we got a shit ton of feedback and travis shared that with me and i i went through all of it and it was all super super helpful um i read a few uh things uh online from uh some trans authors who were talking about like here's here's how to have a good trans character on the show here's like a bunch of like shitty pitfalls to to avoid um and so i tried to be like really 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 thoughtful about that stuff in uh creating loop and then also like everything i did as loop i tried to view it through that like particular lens um so that i could try to do as good a job um sort of realizing her as i as i possibly could um and the the feedback was really really good i i think like across the board the feedback was great and loop is one of like people's like favorite characters um and so like i feel i feel really good about how it turned out um if only because like i know that i was trying to be as thoughtful as i possibly could in including this character whose life experience is completely different from my own which is always like a really really tricky thing in when when you're doing fiction and and i would also like to say just to sum up the the bulk of the responses we got in the the ahead of time the when we asked like hey we're going to introduce this character and we need your input we need thoughts was pretty much like okay just introduce her like you would any other character because uh and and let that character develop over time um just like you would any other character and you know when we introduce you know johan we don't sit there and give you a, a bullet point checklist of right. his, you know, of his sexuality and his background and his gender. We just introduce the character, and then you get to learn about them over time. Yeah, I, um, I don't, I don't want it to sound like this was like so hard, right? Because it, because it, it really wasn't. Like once, once Loop was in the story, and I knew. 
I, I like I had an idea of who she was. It wasn't it wasn't that difficult. It was just something that I tried to be mindful of. Um, I, I, you know, whenever I was playing as Loop, whenever I was sort of in in inhabiting uh Loop, it really wasn't difficult. But I I just re I God guys, I just really didn't want to fuck it up. I super didn't want to fuck it up. Um, uh, it was so interesting to have a character that in my character's mind had not existed for the first, like, six or five arcs or whatever, and then suddenly in the Stolen Century was such an important guiding force that suddenly, like, kind of retroactively informed character dynamic and story in such an interesting way. All of them. I mean, I and, felt that And way relationships, too. Yeah. yeah existing sure. relationships. I felt I, that I, way about Lucretia and Davenport. Uh, and Barry and Loop of suddenly like, oh, okay. It all does start to make a lot more sense. It, it's funny how it colors retroactively the fact that like these three idiots made it as far as they did, and it's mm-hmm. and what you learn from like Stolen Century it's it's because they had these other like what you were seeing in the first five arcs or six arcs, I guess, is really an incomplete picture of like three sort of like the the dullest knives in the in the ipre drawer um trying trying to like muddle through on their own and when you see how much better they are when surrounded by competent people i i do want to say though and this is something that like we have talked about privately and i and i don't have a good answer for it and i wish i did but i think it's important to show that we're like i think it's important to not try to pretend like we have all the answers we're about to head into much a few much shorter arcs and something that i love about the adventure zone is that we it has always had so many different points of view in terms of gender and sexuality and 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 so many different perspectives from from those characters and we're about to go into and but like for taco it took me a long time before i was like sort of comfortable enough being taco to like deal with those parts of his life because it's not my own experience and I wanted to do a good job of it. And I've talked about those struggles in previous, uh, TTAZZs, but, um, I don't have a good answer for how we do that in shorter stories and still do really well by it. Um, right. And, and I don't have a good, I wish I did, but like, I don't want it to feel like such a drive by that. It's like just sort of checking boxes, you know, yeah. but I also don't want, it to be just four straight white dudes yeah being it's four straight white dudes i really don't we don't have good a good answer for that right i think now. i think that i think the like the short answer is like it th- this is something that is important to us and is also something that i recognize will be a little bit trickier to um develop out in a, a much much shorter format which is what we're going to be doing for a little while here um, once we get past the the live shows that we kind of have in the can already. Um, but like, it is something that is important to us moving forward. And I think it was an important part of this world and is, is absolutely um, something that is, is, is going to be present in, in the future of adventure zone stories. I, I hope the character creation is more streamlined. I think like, that's what we're bringing to it now is the character and, and, you know, we often reference that I wrote this huge backstory for Magnus, and I did, but that was all, like, you know, big, epic story, but still, it took a long time 
to figure out right. like what he was like in conversation, how he felt about you know walking into a room. Like, what did he? You know, uh, does he have a sense of humor? Is he funny? Is he snarky? Is he boring? Is he? You know, all that stuff happened as we were playing it. Um, and Taz, Taz Knights is what I was thinking of as an example because I think we we rolled up new characters and at, while they weren't you don't want them to be too well defined because then you have no journey to take you got sure, no story right. to take but i you know i really liked those three characters and i liked the dynamic that came about from it um i got but, but, but on that on that on that subject uh, though like i don't know that in taz knights like we got this idea of having like a bunch of representative characters just because like we didn't have a lot of time to work with. And like Justin said, it's not something that I want to feel um, forced ever. Like we absolutely want to include uh, characters that, that represent, you know, different, different folks, but like it, it, that is a tricky thing to do. Representative fiction in general is a really, really difficult thing. Like that, that conversation is very, uh, it's, it's very fraught and it is really difficult to parse. There's like this, conversation about uh, d- deciding between you know having representative characters or just speaking your own voice and uh i i i think it's really really difficult to do good good representative characters but it's also really important because if we just spoke our voice then all of our our campaign would just be like four cishet white dudes and i i can't i can't imagine that like i can't imagine that being the truth and so, uh, like, we're we're bloviating a lot, but like, this is this we're we're gonna keep we're gonna keep you know trying to make a uh, a very inclusive world and do a better job of that. Um, specifically about race, like this was something that we have talked about before. Like, we were not mindful of this at all when we started doing the podcast because it was not a thing that we n- knew to be mindful about. We did not know that this show would mean this particular thing to folks, and so when we started, it was just like, you know, I'm an elf. And that was like pretty much the extent of it. And now I think we know a, a, a lot more and hopefully moving on to uh, future arcs, we will be sort of better at this. I have a quick question. I think Griffin could probably answer this one a lot faster. This is from Jeeves Bunny. And I also have been very curious about this. In a past the, the Adventure Zone Zone, Griffin mentioned a dark timeline for if Magnus had been tempted by the temporal chalice. What had been planned for that? Oh, okay. So let me think. If if I thought Magnus was the only one that would maybe take the offer um, from from the temporal chalice at the end of the eleventh hour arc, and so he was the only one that I kind of did plan like a dark timeline thing for. Um, but basically, my idea was that we would then just like sort of hop on to a recording, just me and Travis, and record a little bit of like what life in this world, this happier world, would be like. And then eventually Taco and Merle and Lucretia and whoever else would, by some magic or maybe Lucas technology, cross over into this world, f- fucking turn left style mm-hmm. uh, from that really great Doctor Who episode and either convince Magnus that what he has done to their world is wrong and terrible. And also in that sort of... Uh, timeline convergence i don't think taco and merle would know magnus and so that would have been very difficult and fuck i'm glad we didn't have to threaten this and and then either like magnus would have to give up on this world which i think would be a tough putt or 
Merle and Taco and Lucretia would have to get that fucking cup back. And I, this, this y'all welcome. I, I fully, <laughs> fully expected Magnus to take it. Like I had prepped a lot for this. I thought Magnus I, was going to take it, and I thought that it was going to lead to some pretty dark stuff. And I thought Magnus was dead. I thought Magnus. And you was, could hear in gone. Griffin's voice. I think the, the a little bit of surprise when he when he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a uh, uh, let's see. Um, That's because I'm the best. <laughs> the best. Uh, Travis. What was the rules. other? What was the other thing like this that we could talk about? Um. Uh, the, it, so the next question from Ella. What was going to happen if the gang hadn't gotten Magnus' spirit back before it was sucked into the astral plane during the suffering game? Well, yeah. we can answer. Listen, I have an answer for this that also, uh, at least, How will answer. How do you have an answer for this? Well, because, well, not exactly. Casper Marie wanted to know what were the lines, moments that have stuck with you the most. And that is one of mine. The uh, arms the outstretched. Arms outstretched, yeah. Arms outstretched to me was, that was another time where I got teared up. Because we it, just the reaction and everybody working together and the unity of it. And I Griffin, I, we have never talked about this, but I got the impression that that one came out of left field for you. Yeah, it absolutely did. And I think that there was this the, the reason for me that moment was so powerful is because I think we all had this dawning realization that the three of you were not going to do what what. I had planned like all all of us were like slowly realizing like okay this thing is about to change because of your agency because of your and, and not just power in, in the let's fuck Griffin over like we have in the past no no it absolutely wasn't now. coming from like a mischievous place it was just like uh-uh. no you know what fuck this and I'm I'm gonna save my friend and I think that that was really cool to answer the question of like what would have happened in the spirit world I had this idea of like sort of a simultaneous across two planes sort of fight that would happen where um, Merle and Taco would be taking on uh, Magnus's body with um, Edward inside of it and Lydia's lich form uh, while at the same time Magnus and Kravitz would be sort of fighting against the hunger in the astral plane. Um, and we would get a I, lot I, of, uh, uh, we, would, we would get a bunch of development there about sort of, uh, because at that point Magnus would be dead. And so there would be more, uh, there would be sort of a, a, an easier way for me to roll out the like returning memories because the void fish doesn't affect dead people. And also sort of fleshing out Kravitz a little bit more and also fleshing Everyone's out Everyone's going to be so little, sad. Well, no, 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 no. And, Including and, myself. I would have loved to seen a fight with like Magnus and Kravitz, like back to back. It would have been, it would have oh, been, God, been, don't get me wrong. It would have been really, really cool. I would not trade in the arms outstretched moment for uh-uh. anything, for nope, anything. Nope. I know there's a lot of people who are probably going to uh, go online and be like, oh, Travis, why did you do that? I would beg you not to do that because for me, arms outstretched established a tone that would literally carry the rest of the show through the finale the rest of the show would not have been what it was because i reworked some stuff after arms outstretched the rest of the show would not have been what it was without that moment it was too powerful well and it i think arms outstretched is also one of the moments where i let let it there seems to be if you look at taco broadly speaking like holistically it might seem like there's inconsistencies um in his self-serving attitude and the sort of strength of his connections to people. And I hope that it came across how the, the extent to which it was a put on. I mean, like you can listen to what he says about being self-serving and certainly some of his actions early on, like not going into the bubble city, stuff like that, that tacos good out here stuff like would certainly seem to reinforce that. But like he does, 
for he is hungry for connection and he does want and he is like you have to remember that like even if he says like this is uh, this is um you know he's in it for himself or whatever these two other guys are literally at that point in the story the only thing he had in the world like obviously he had a connection with kravitz for sure and like um anyway let's talk so, about- so that was that was a question that we got from a lot of people i want to do real quick a speed round i think we could answer a bunch of questions that compromise maybe 95 percent of the questions that we received um we got a lot of questions that sort of asked us to add to the lore of the world or add to the canon of the story and i'm really hesitant to do that for so many reasons like the largest of which being like i like that the story is done and the story is a contained thing that we can point back to and so i don't want i don't want this episode to be like oh you gotta listen to the the adventure zone zone if you want the full picture um i also want like there's a lot of stuff that kind of pops up in in the fandom of uh of of fanon and there's a lot of sort of like debate about that in inside of certain communities that i like i i don't know as much about and so i do not want to stumble into it and like make it a big thing um but i think that there is some stuff that we can kind of clear up really quickly and answer some of the more common questions that we got the first of which being travis is steven okay griffin did you not edit into the episode like i told you to Oh, no, I forgot. Yeah. I literally said, I texted Griffin, oh, no, I forgot to mention Steven. I'm going to be tweeted about this <laughs> yeah, forever. Yeah. And Griffin responded, I will edit something into the episode yeah, about him. And Sorry. then he did not. <sighs> Steven is okay. Okay, great. Um, um, it was Griffin, Angus. Just- did Steven pass away and move to the the astral plane? Yeah, I think you had Steven in the astral okay. plane. For it must have been quite the shock for Julia, I assume. What the fuck is this? Yeah, it's what is this now that's in my house? Um, was was I know what I said about Fanon and not wanting to step into it, but I have to address this. Was Angus a silver dragon the whole time? That was maybe my favorite fan theory. It came out, I never heard this. So the idea was that like Angus was, uh, we never found out about Angus's parents, and there was like there was a lot of jokey joke stuff about like him being super super powerful in uh the train arc and him being like. There's some reference to him being ageless or something like that. And he also had a hoard, right? He had a hoard of silverware. Uh, and so people want to know if Angus was a silver dragon the whole time. Um, I don't know. I'm actually going to leave this one <laughs> unanswered. Griffin, Griffin wanted to read your question, but not answer it. Griffin, yeah. Was it, was, it was, this was not something I thought of, but I think it's such a, I, I don't know. I like the idea of it a lot. And so I'm going to leave that one blank. Uh, was Kravitz related to the Wonderland liches? This one came out of, um, uh, a lot of people saying because I said that the tw- the the liches in Wonderland had a brother named Keats and who who passed away and that sort of like led them down this dark path. Um, and when people talked about that, I think they thought I was they, uh, a lot of the stuff I've seen spelled Keats K E E T Z, and so it was like, well, that's kind of like Kravitz, and maybe that's who that was. But a I nickname or something, right? But Keats is like an. I was thinking, I guess, of John Keats, the poet. So, like, K-E-A-T-S. I don't know how it turned into K-E-E-T-Z, but um, no, that was not that was not sort of my Griffin, intention. Wait, wait, can I ask one more quick attached to that? This Griffin? is a bad speed round. I know, but you offhandedly said that Kravitz's hand was warm during the wedding. Yeah. Was that a part of a bigger reveal, like, now he's alive? No, I think or... it was just love. Okay. The power of what? The power of love. Who was the true love in exile in Crystal Canaan? That was in one of the verses. Um, for me, that that idea because I used a lot of like plural pronouns when talking about uh, when whenever 
uh legion talked about itself because it was like hundreds and hundreds and, and thousands of souls and that like and like maureen's shell housed a lot of those whenever it sang these songs like it was sort of a a community of people singing about people that they you know were sort of cut off from in the in the um astral plane um uh, so that was I, that uh what what okay this is when we get a lot um and when we've actually had to talk about recently, um, what was insert character here's last name? I don't, I'm fine with not every character having a surname. Like I, I, I like this idea. We have said, say, by the way, during the show that Taco's last name is Taco spelled differently. I do not think that that is accurate. I think no, that I think that was a fun, joke I made. A fun yeah. joke that Travis um, made. It, 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 it was so interesting to me to see people asking about Hurley's last name. Where I always thought that Hurley was the last name. Like, wasn't she Detective Hurley or something? Lieutenant like, Hurley, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. just, I think Hurley was her name. Her name was just Captain, Hurley. Like, captain Captain Bane is still my favorite name. Yeah, his name was Captain Bane, and he just happened to become a captain in the, uh, yeah. in the organization. What if Merle had picked up the Umper Staff? Yeah. Uh, well, I, the whole Merle losing his magic powers 800 times wouldn't have had the same effect. Only happened yeah, the once, though, Dad, if you remember. But it lasted forever. I know it did seem like Merle didn't have magic through a lot of the campaign. Well, that's because what he did have, he didn't know how to use. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the short answer is he wouldn't. He, he, I don't think he ever, I don't think he ever was going to. Like, that was Taco's thing. And luckily, the dice were very helpful in this part where... Just Taco didn't, but like Merle didn't get it, but like I would have had to figure out some bullshit way for like this was Taco's staff. Like this was the cool staff I had envisioned for Taco, and obviously it became a a bigger thing because his twin sister was uh, up in there. Um, but but yeah, I that I this is one of my bullshit things. Like that was Taco's staff. It was tacos to get. Uh, the I I don't know what some of these are referencing. Yeah, sure. So uh, Did they real- get their bracers off. Uh, I think, yeah. I think once you switch over the Bureau of Benevolence, like the sort of ironclad agreement that was required by the Bureau of Balance to make sure that, like, defectors didn't happen uh, was just not a thing. And so people could take I, I will establish well. canon. Magnus kept his because, hey, free bracer. Yeah, sure. Hey. Um, the code on Lucretia's door, there was a puzzle in, like, the uh, last episode of the reunion tour thing where to get into Lucretia's office, there was like a puzzle. There was a, a, a keypad with seven digits in it. Um, and you had to punch something in. This is really grim dark. And I'm really glad that you just hole through your fucking way through it. Um, but the idea is that I thought you would just punch in a random string of numbers and it would let you in. And that number would have been the number of people, uh, from your home plane that got consumed by the hunger and like that number that like population number would be something that like somebody kind of could not forget about and so at so least that, a million probably yeah probably in the seven um, digits for sure yeah so i'm glad that it didn't necessarily go that way there's also one on here that justin skipped of did loop get her 15 dollars back from greg grimaldis and um all i want to say about that is justin texted me something last night about that that i'm very excited about so okay we're, we're we're not going to get any deeper into it. Hey, okay, so this is Griffin, your dungeon master, and all that stuff. I'm 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 cutting in here. This is not the recording you were just hearing because we forgot to do the ad reads while we were recording this episode because we're all just so tired. And so I'm going to do it real real fast so I can let you get back to the rest of the episode without doing the rest of the stuff I usually do here because 
kind of that's what this whole episode of the Adventure Zone is all about. First off, I want to tell you about Blue Apron. Blue Apron is great. I'm recording this at 6.47 p.m. And uh, Rachel is right now making a Blue Apron. It's got it's like a some sort of uh, pork bowl. And it my house smells fucking incredible right now. And I'm very excited to finish recording this and go yummy down on it. Uh, for less than 10 bucks per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients that you can use to make delicious home-cooked meals. Talk about stuff like basil pesto chicken with summer vegetable panzanella. Uh, whole grain pasta and summer vegetables with heirloom tomato caprese salad, meatball pizza with fresh mozzarella cheese and charmed tomatoes, a lot of really, really good stuff, and some sort of pork bowl situation uh, that smells fucking awesome. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash adventure. One, one, one more time, that's blueapron.com slash adventure. I uh, also want to tell you about NatureBox. NatureBox is a, a great service where we all want to eat better, but when it comes to snacks, um, it feels like you're trying to decide between delicious and a billion calories or boring and tasteless but nature box says hey fuck all that because we have a better way of doing things uh they have over 100 snacks that taste good and are better for you and they're made from high quality simple ingredients which means no artificial colors or, or, or sweeteners and they add new snacks uh every month and they're inspired by real customer feedback so you know that you are getting just the tastiest stuff and if you ever try a snack you don't like you can send it back and they'll replace it for free right now you can save even more nature box is offering adventure zone fans three free snacks uh and the first month month of your membership for free when you order uh when you go to naturebox.com slash adventure zone that's nature naturebox.com slash adventure zone for three free snacks with your first order one more time naturebox.com slash adventure zone i have a call to action here in the uh, in the jumbotron space uh this one is that i just i really want you to i'm sorry i have to read the exact ad copy here which is fuckwithghostfruits.com the website is ghostfruits.com not fuckwithghostfruits.com the fuck with part is sort of just like a, a request hey hey you go fuck with ghostfruits.com uh, they are a group of collaborating artists producing web comics art mixed media and music encompassing offbeat surreal but organic stories we make everything constantly realist deadest worst um a, a ringing endorsement for ghostfruits.com hey can you do me a favor maybe go fuck with them real quick um i have another personal message this one's for leah and it's from charlie francis josh kelly and rachel uh and they all say to leah congratulations on running your first game of D. we've had a lot of fun as Jin, marial uh phil tyrek or tyrek and the professor i hope we continue murdering uh oh sorry <laughs> Uh, I I hope we continue helping storm giants, not murdering them. Please don't murder the storm giant. Uh, and sailing the skies in our murder boat. Okay, so that's where that came from. Uh, for a long time to come. Uh, murder boat is... Just gonna write that down. Season two, murder boat, storm giant. Okay, got it. Um, hey, thanks to everybody who tweeted about the show using the the Zonecast hashtag. It really means a lot. If you tweeted that, you're gonna end up as a character in this episode of the the Adventure Zone Zone. That's not true. Um, yeah, we're gonna be uh, putting that on hold probably for a little bit. But man, we sure do appreciate it if you uh, spread the word uh, and tell folks to go listen to the thing because it's done. Go tell folks, hey, go listen to this thing from the beginning because you can just listen to all of it now. You can go binge it and it's it's all done and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna dig it um we are really going to appreciate you continuing continuing to spread the word as we move into new arcs and stuff like that uh, and helping us sort of uh, expand as we try out new stuff and we are going to be talking a lot more about that i assure you uh at the end of of this episode that you're listening to right now i want to say thanks to maximum fun for having us you can go to maximumfun.org and check out all the great podcasts there uh, i'm talking about shows like lady to lady and one bad mother and baby geniuses and stop podcasting yourself and jordan jesse go and judge john hodgman and a bunch of great shows that you can go to uh, go 
check out for free at MaximumFun.org. We have a bunch of other stuff that we uh, do. Also, you can go check out uh, McElroyShows.com and see all the projects that we are involved in. Uh, and now I'm going to clam up and let you get back to the episode. And thank you all so much. And we love you. And okay, bye. Are there any other questions on here that we want? Um, here's one. Griffin, were there any character interactions or scenes that you never got to that you wish you had more time for? And this is directed at Griffin, but I will say that, like, I, f- I, I really enjoyed any time that uh, Taco and Angus spent together. And I feel like there's a lot of these. And it's part of what makes it good, right? That we don't exhaust all of these possibility threads to the point where they get, like, boring. But, like... I will say that I was loath to leave any scene that was like Taco and Angus because yeah, I thought for sure. yeah. that was so that was such a fun relationship. But there were there were a lot of Taco and Angus like relationships that could have happened in this in this world, right? Like I think Magnus and Carrie's friendship boiled up because of Magnus wanted to become a rogue and so it was like, "Okay, well I know who you can train with." And then that thing sort of turned out from there. A lot of my um a lot of my sort of uh, regrets on this particular subject are about Stolen Century. I feel like maybe I didn't do enough with Davenport with you all, and that just happened to boil up because of the actions that you decided to take in each cycle. Um, I, I feel like you could have all done more with each other, with a few exceptions. Like, I was happy with how much Taco and Loop interaction there was. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I could have done more with Davenport. I think I could have done more with Lucretia in those things. Um, like particularly, like I would have liked to explore Loop and Lucretia's friendship a little bit more. But that just, I, it, it I'm, I am very hesitant to, to, um, whenever I do a scene that's just two NPCs interacting that you all are not involved in. Like that is a, um, I'm inherently like not inviting you all to the party a little bit, and so I try to be kind of, I try to limit that and and only use it when I think it really needs to 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 be delivered and i think i think it needed to be delivered a little bit more uh with with some of the characters in stolen century um so that that's that's where most of my regrets come from i would have liked to have had more stuff with kravitz i think uh because we went a long time without seeing him but uh, again that was partially because of what happened in the end of wonderland i would like to answer some quickly let's see how quickly i know we haven't done it up to this point uh, yeah, but Matt, really quickly. Yeah, Matt asks, if you could have kept the bond summoning for one more round in the last battle, who would you have picked next? I had it in my head. I wanted to bring back Hodgepodge, um, the robot from the Lucas Laboratory, but I couldn't quite figure out how to do it and have it, like, what to ask Hodgepodge for. But I thought that would have been really fun. But instead, I went with the Power Bear on the last round. But yeah. I did have Hodgepodge in my head. I really wanted to, uh, to have... Uh, <laughs> One of the characters that Stuart, Dan, or Elliot played. Yeah, I think I from Flophouse. Yeah, I think I edited that out. You originally called in um, Elliot, Elliot Scales, but but what we decided was like you had never met Scales actually, yeah. and so we didn't cut it. Uh, here's one from Barizard. Uh, who really was Jeff Andrew? There were a lot of people who thought that this was a self insert of. Was me. it not? I thought it was. I'm okay with that being it it was super not how i thought about it like when I, when i was sort of figuring out the multiplane stuff and like the nature of existence in this world and sort of this shows this, this world's philosophy about like existence i really like this sort of recursive idea of just like everybody's making worlds all the time whether that world is a story or um I, I I had set this up a little bit with like the light of creation not being from the gods but from the people who made the gods and so like this was that but those people who made this world and made everything had their world made by somebody and 
those people had their world made by somebody in an, a sort of infinite chain, and that chain is like existence. Um, I I got sort of I went pretty deep down the rabbit hole with that idea, and so like Jeff Andrew was this just this person who collaborated to help make the world of this show and i think it's not difficult to draw a direct line between like that idea that that philosophy and what we actually literally did i think mag i think travis tapped into this a little bit and he's like oh gary gygax when i mentioned like they made the rules of this world and like you know wizards of the coast made D D and made the rules of D D. is that who it was um that was like th- it was not my intention to like say that Jeff Andrew was me and I was referring to us making this world. But like, I think that that by definition of the philosophy I just kind of laid out, I think that makes sense. But I, I super didn't want to do a a Uh, self insert. Griffin Kane asked, why did tacos give taco magic energy? (laughs) I have an answer, but I want to hear what your theory is. Yeah. So like, Istis's whole thing, uh, I, I like the idea of like thinking about predestination and deities and like if there's a deity who designs fate is everything that happened in the podcast completely meaningless because all of it was sort of the design of this deity and the answer was no my my idea for Istis is that she does have sort of a design and with and and bonds are sort of there was a connection between like bonds are these white threads that's how they're visually represented and she is um you know she she does you know celestial needlepoint in a way and so bonds are uh they represent these connections that are extremely powerful in this world we saw them being used um to accomplish these like incredible things whether that was like uh roswell's creation was the result of a bond and um hurley jumping into the vines and healing sloan like that was a bond um and so like istis has these designs and tries to fulfill these designs by giving out some power in some way to to the people who are involved in the designs. And so Taco and Joaquin's connection was part of this fate's design and this this moment where you, you know, cooked together and you ate this dish represented sort of the culmination of this bond and so both of you received the power of the bond in a very very like um uh a very powerful way. Huh. Interesting. My theory was, by the way, that tacos are good. Yeah. <laughs> They're just really great. Tacos Better. taste very good. That's really good. Um, you three have grown up together. What? I, I have been with you the whole step of the way. We all know what each other can do. And we, the, the I love what I love about the podcasts are that it's an extension of the dinner table at our house where everybody tried to outdo each other and impress each other. And it was a blast. But what was your first WTF moment when we did this? So, and I'm going to preface this by giving How mine. You you when mean? you when we did something that surprised even you, and the reason I'm saying this, uh, maybe I can define it by example. The car race in Pedals to the Metal was phenomenal. If you think about it, we described this amazing moment using just our words, just our story. And that is when I thought, what the hell? How? What are we doing? This is incredible. That um, was the first I, WTF for me. I actually, I felt mine way earlier than that. Um, when Fandolin was destroyed, um, because 
I remember in that moment as Griffin is describing, um, uh, oh, now I can't, uh, now I'm thinking his name is Bogard. What's his name? Barry Blue Jeans? Uh, Gundren? Gundren. Gundren Gundren and Rockseeker kind of going nuclear. And I was trying to figure out how to fix it and what, what was the solution to it to save everybody. And then we couldn't. And suddenly, uh, this arc where we had been very jokey and like making masturbation jokes throughout and, you know, making, uh, these like very juvenile jokes. We then climbed out of a well to see that like hundreds and maybe even thousands of people were now dead mm-hmm. because of our inability to diffuse the situation. And like, that was a really big, like, Oh shit moment for me. Um, uh- for me, it was the end of the Rockport Limited. That that sort of conclusion to that sort of set a an outline that I think a lot of the good moments that would follow would 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 follow of like all of you working together and doing this really badass thing of like jumping off a moving train and Taco making it disappear at the last second, and then all of you having these like pretty nice moments with the other characters that that came off the train. Um, that that was when I was like, oh, okay, well, this is that ruled, and that's what the rest of the show is going to be like. Uh, yeah, that was huge for me too. Like as I cast that spell, I was thinking like, oh wait, this is a satisfying conclusion. I'll be damned. <laughs> we actually we did it. We did it. Um, I think Hurley and Sloane's relationship, uh, and the way that scene culminated. Obviously, it had its own sort of like tropey baggage that we uh, unpacked as the show went on and. And we learned from it, but I think the fact that those two characters had that relationship within the context of this podcast, I think, was the first time I realized, like, it. we've talked about this being a car that could fly, and I think that was the first time for me that the car flew. And I was yeah. like, oh, shit, wait, this thing can do that? Like, this this tool has the ability to do that? I thought that was... Uh, pretty pretty wild. And on a s- smaller level, Abracafucky was a moment. Yeah, too. that was also really great. That I, really was. Yeah, I, I have a question well, here. Uh, yeah, I, man, I'm I, great. All like, <laughs> I have a question here. I really want to get into because it's. Uh, I've also seen this, and I think that there was even some sort of debate inside of this podcast about this, and so I wanted to get into it. It's from Marissa, who said one of the biggest debates I've seen in the fan community has involved Lucretia. People have very strong feelings about her story. I'm pretty pro Lucretia, while my friends are not. So I was curious about how the players and the characters, but mostly you guys, feel about Lucretia now that everything's been revealed. Was she a complicated person who made some poor decisions? she saw her friends in a desperate place or someone who felt like she knew better than her friends and made choices for everyone that she had no right to make on on this subject as sort of the person who made lucretia and sort of designed this story in my mind she was never a villain like i never i never ever 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 thought of her not even for a little bit as doing doing evil in this world um in my mind like i think lucretia is probably my favorite character uh, especially because of like the things that happened in the stolen century and her growth there and the way that things changed like for me that growth was the most concrete growth that i think any character went through in the entire show and what i really tried to set up in stolen century is that like this was a really tough thing you all were going through and you all had different ways of dealing with it and her way was very um was perhaps overprotective, right? And so this thing that she did, she knew that you all were hurting and she had this idea for how to solve it and everybody else's idea was different and she thought that the idea that you all went with was 
wrong, was inherently wrong. And so she grew from being this character who was very much on the sidelines, writing about the things that other people were doing and taking actions into her own hands and simultaneously, like, making her friends forget this, like, really, really difficult and painful ordeal that they all had had gone through. And so in my mind, she was she was not she was not evil. She was never, ever, ever, ever the villain. Um, and But at the same time, like I think the way that you all sort of reacted to her actions in different ways was like really interesting. I think that what it comes down to, because I think we ran into this a lot too, and, and honestly, in, in games like D&D and stories like this, it's one of the hardest things for me, is reali- realizing that much like in real life, there's very rarely a yes or no like good and bad way to do something and so i remember when we landed on the planet with the robots and we found the ju- the gym and we had to decide like oh yeah if if we leave the gym and the hunger consumes it it will grow that much more powerful but if we destroy it we're basically killing life on this planet hey let's hey let's talk about this we re-recorded that bit yeah because uh originally they destroyed the fucking world. They all mm-hmm. destroyed the world and then flew away. And then that was the ending. And we finished recording and almost like we hung up on the Skype call. And then like a minute later, we started texting like that sucked. That was yeah. that was not the tone of this show. That was not what we should go for. I and felt bad. Like I went downstairs and talked with Teresa afterwards. And I was like, that was wrong. The thing yeah, we did it, was it, wrong. And I feel bad about it. It was not a situation where like you all made a tough choice and then. Um, regretted it, and maybe that regret could have been like in the show in some sort of tangible way that would have been good, and so we betrayed that. This was like a, this doesn't match the tone of the show, it doesn't match what these characters would actually do, mm-hmm. um, it's just like, it is what happened, and it was wrong. But that, but that leads me to that feeling of like, it, it allows me to relate to Lucretia in that way of like, what she had to do was, she didn't relish it. I don't think, the difference between a villain and a tragic hero is a villain thinks that the wrong thing they are doing is right. And a tragic hero does the wrong thing because that is the only way they can see to do good. Like it's, it's a subtle difference, but I don't think Lucretia reveled in erasing people's memories. I don't think she liked lying to her friends. I think it was my take on it was it was very isolating and it was the hard thing to do. Um, and that it's the only way she saw of protecting her friends was to do the wrong thing for the right reasons. Um, and so I I never, I, I actually see her as a very tragic figure. And that is why Magnus hugs her when he does is like this feeling of like, I understand that the thing you had to do, you didn't enjoy, but you were trying to protect us. And if there's anyone that understands that it's Magnus. Okay. I, uh, just to put a button in this real quick, uh, this show, a lot of this show is about the power of stories and the 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 way that people's stories impact you and the power that those stories have to change things. And I think that Lucretia, from Taka's perspective, Lucretia robbed him of the most important story in his life without a 100% guarantee that she was going to be able to restore that. And yeah. like, Taco has impulses towards making connections like I've talked about, but like Taco's not a hero. Taco would watch the world burn if it meant like the people he cared about, really cared about, were were safe and protected. 
And Lucretia, and, like, approached this situation from the exact polar opposite sort of Exactly, viewpoint. right. And, but, like, she wasn't losing a sister in the deal. Taco was. Right. And I think that, like, that imbalance is where Taco's distrust came from. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm here to tell you, I do not know if that will ever I – don't, I don't know. Like, we're not, like uh, – filling in plot gaps or whatever but like i from my perspective i don't think that that it probably softened over time but i don't think the sting of that is something that taco would ever sort of let go of even though things worked out i'm okay with that i think it's really interesting that you all responded to the truth of this situation in different ways and i don't think it paints lucretia with any kind of brush and i think people who say like I, I think this idea of just like, oh, well, Lucretia is a bad person or Lucretia is a villain is sort of like looking at this situation as if it had an easy answer. I tried, to, very it, I try, I tried yeah. to inject a lot of nuance into what she had to do because like I think that's the only way that it makes sense with her character because she's not an evil person. She's an incredibly good person who did this really, 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 really difficult thing. And so people who say I, – I got personally kind of frustrated because – I had never thought of her as a villain, and I saw a lot of people who did. Um, I think it is reductive to say, like, oh, well, she's she's evil because of what she did. She's not. She 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 just isn't. I want to jump back to a completely different thing. Uh, Dad mentioned the question from Casper about moments that really suck with you, and, like, I just saw that as I was scrolling down. I want to say the uh, bank fight with uh, in Refuge with, with uh, Roswell – yeah, where we were trying to like find the book and say the code, basically everything in the eleventh. I think eleventh hour is my favorite conceptual arc. Same of of the reset, but like that moment was such an interesting. Like what we are doing is wrong. Like I remember playing as Magnus and having to do bad stuff to move the story forward, and like go well, this is going to reset. So I guess I got to deal with doing this terrible thing to this nice person, and like. A lot of that was was a really interesting kind of dichotomy of like, how do I move the story forward and balance the fact that I know that I wouldn't do this if I was afraid of the ramifications. Right. It was very interesting. I was just going to answer a quick question. Charlotte wanted to know, is Magnus allowed to bring his dogs on the Bureau's, uh, Bureau's moon base? And the answer is, the first thing Magnus trains his dogs not to do is run off run of the edge. It's very so, important. Yeah. Um, here's a quick one from Lauren. How much stop down gets edited out? Uh, how many takes of each thing? It's wonderfully uh, produced in a compact way, but when D&D is played, there are tons of stop down moments, rules reading, and audio doll discussions about uh, what to do next, what a character wants to do in particular, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, we edit a lot. We, I, I edit like a shit ton out. Um, and... I, I think in like the finale, we recorded probably close to three and a half hours, and I edited pretty much a full hour out of that. So there's a lot. And there's a lot of people who hear that and like, oh come on, release the the tapes. No, this thing is no, no fucking way. Not because it's we're not embarrassed. Takes. It's not that, that the question was phrased that way. Like how many takes of each thing? We're not actors by trade. So and yeah, you well, all didn't do that. You all didn't do that, but I did a little bit when I, especially in the later episodes, I recorded some sort of more monologue-y stuff that maybe I didn't have prepared when we started playing, and so I recorded those in and dropped them in later. And I, I would take sort of multiple takes on that. Johan's line of "You're going to fight. You're going to have to fight, and you're going to win." I worked on that for like forty-five minutes, like just doing a hundred takes of it because I really wanted the best delivery of it. Angus but that's is, different uh, deliveries. It's not like we were improvising different shit every time right, it's not sure. like anchor man we never i don't think we ever had to re-react to a thing 
that we had done before. Like Mm-mm. we never, we never once like did a, another take of except something. destroying like, the gem. Except Other destroying than the that, gem. that yeah. Well, that was a different. I mean, but like that was a meaningful story up, yeah. change. We didn't like redo a moment. It was just yeah, yeah, changing. Yeah. How that uh, moment went. Should we? Um, there, there are a lot of other questions that we could talk about, but I, I, I know we kind of have to wrap up here. But do we want to spend some time talking about what we have planned for coming up? Because I really want folks to understand that we're not done doing the adventure zone. Yes. So we're um, done doing the adventure zone. No, stop. So, so we have over. we have two live shows that are going to go up. Our live show in Austin, which was my sort of persona, a little bit inspired one that. Man, that one got really out of hand. Um, oh, and then so the good. San Diego show, which <laughs> was our oh, our take on the Tomb of Horrors. It was mm-hmm. very that one was like one of my favorites we've done live. So we're gonna have those go up in a while uh, for, for the next, I guess, month since this is biweekly. Um, and then we're gonna start doing a bunch of different stuff. We're going to be doing more short form, probably two to three episode long mini arcs that will be essentially. Well, I guess you could think of them as pilots, but really it's going to be us playing new games, taking turns DMing. Um, I guess we have to say GM now if we're playing non Dungeons yeah. and Dragons stuff. Uh, GMing, taking turns GMing, exploring new worlds and new genres. And part of that will be like us sort of searching for what we want to do for a longer thing as like season two. But it's also like, um, going to like i think help us learn how to tell stories in this in this way uh for me i started listening to friends at the table at another actual play podcast i talk a lot about and that was very that that was relevatory to me because it kind of like showed me like what else you could do with with um actual play storytelling um and so i think once we all kind of and and they play like other games that aren't dnd and so i think if we take some turns playing some non-dnd games and try telling other stories we're gonna learn so much regardless of what we end up doing for the the next season um that that will help us make that season better um it's it's gonna be pretty experimental and like i'm worried and we're all really worried about it right we're all really nervous because we made this thing that we love and we're so proud of and we know really resonated with people and to move away from that into a new venture is like really 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 scary and i hope that i hope everybody is as down with this idea as we are because i i know Episode, the first time we put out a new episode in this new world with new games and new rules and new new GM, there are going to be new characters. And new characters, there are going to be people who say like, "Ugh, this isn't as good," or "Ugh, I wish you would go back to the other thing," or "Ugh, I wish you know." Uh, whatever we do for season two, whoever ends up, ends up GMing it, there are going to be people who say like, oh, I wish you'd done the other thing or, oh, I wish somebody else was GMing. I thought that they had done a better job. I like, don't think that's going to happen for these mini episodes. You should get I, it's, it's, it's absolutely, it absolutely going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, let, me go ahead, let me just go ahead and say, um, if you complain enough, we will just go back to the old characters and the old story. So, yeah, just, so make sure you keep... tweet at us a lot. Travis, I, God, Travis, you're a f- that's not true. It's not true. <laughs> what Travis just said is not true. We're, we're, this story is done, and I would not, yeah. I don't want to touch it. I am I love it. I love we have this thing now, and it's finished. And for the rest of our lives, it's finished, and we have it, and it's done. And I'm so proud of I, it. Can but I say on a, side, on a side separate note to that point? I I had a child over the course of recording the Adventure Zone and uh, Adventure Zone uh, Balance, and like the idea that in a couple years when she's older. I can play this for her as like this thing I it's made. Really special. We made. It's very important but, to me. But and it's means but a it's, lot, and it's done. And it's so done. we have to move on. We have to try new stuff. We have to do this new stuff. And I hope that you all give us the benefit of the doubt 
and understand that we are going to be improved just by playing this stuff, even if it doesn't work out. If we do a, 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 a two or three episode arc and we hit the end of it and we're like, oh, we, I, you know, it never really clicked and we didn't really like it. We hope you understand that you understand that like we will be better now because because we have tried that thing. There is no downside to this experimentation that we are going to be doing because I really think it's going to result in us having a super clear picture of what we want the next thing to be and starting out with that clear picture which we did not have in balance is going to lead to a story that I cannot fucking wait to get into. And I would and I and in that benefit of the doubt what I would say is this like we will of course as always like listen to what y'all are saying and mm-hmm. and hear I'm I'm anxious to hear you know once we uh, get somewhere uh, uh, that we're happy with. Like, of course, I'm I'm anxious to hear what people think of it and like use that feedback to sort of help us guide whatever. But like, the two things I would say about that is one, please understand that it is going to be us experimenting, and I would ask you to try to be respectful of that. The fact that you are hearing experimentation and not the finished product as like it is not going to be on the level that balance was towards the won't. end. It yeah. just took a long 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 time to get there so like please try to keep it constructive is what i would say and also please understand that like whatever we do moving forward and 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 whatever like this is not a public voting process there is no like we are not you know 51 votes for this thing 50 you know, 49 votes for this other thing okay we do the 51 votes thing that's not in any way what's happening so like don't feel like you need to weigh in to make your voice heard. So we'll like, it's not understand how, understand how messy that would get for us as creators and also family members. Like we all try to approach this thing from a ego free standpoint. And so like the introduction well, of like a, well, the introduction some of, like, of us, whoever's, whoever's thing gets the most votes is going to be the next thing that can't, what we are going to do is the thing that we are most excited about that we think is going to lead to the best story. And it may, end and of, it may end not of. be, I would argue that like the best version of this may be that, like the second season of the adventure zone is not uh one of these sort of like mini things that we do i I like the idea that like maybe the mini things are are things like nights that we can return to and revisit and um and that sort of thing but like not necessarily going to be those shows it's like not necessarily going to be these stories either um so like i understand what a big ask that is uh, to uh, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, and we and we have talked candidly, like we understand that like we will lose some people, like there will be some people who want to bounce. And if you're listening to this, I hope that's not you, and I hope that you'll hang in there with us. But like we understand that, like, and you know what? Honestly, that's fine. I'm really happy with balance. I'm really proud of it. And if that's all you wanted, and you want to move on to other stuff, like completely get it like we i i we're not being and so justice is not being snide and we are not being snide when we say that it's it, it, it's it's it is the it's the truth not all stories are going to resonate with the same people and so like if you do not like the next thing and you want to go like i fucking completely completely totally understand that i absolutely get it i'm not being <laughs> shitty when i say that it is i would it's just i would say that how it works I would say though, don't do that because it's going to get pre Buck Wild, and yeah. you do definitely want to be on board for how Buck Wild. So, and, and, and let me also say, wait a minute, on the other side of the coin, just for a second, let me say, as the dad, it's still us. It's mm. still the four of us. 
telling stories and the things that we brought to the table in balance. For now, there's some contract stuff that we're oh we're, yeah, we're yeah, still trying to work. Actually, out. Why don't you ever tell me about that? I have a big ask. Frankly, like I I'm if you want me back, ugh. Um, um, I will say I'm especially nervous because I'm building mine from scratch. Yeah, Travis making a game for a Western arc, right? Yeah, and um, uh, let me also say to that, there will be a lot of, once again, people saying, like, oh, that's very similar. I am i don't think I'm, like, reinventing the wheel. I, I don't think that mine is a standalone thing, but I, like, had an idea for a story I wanted to tell and couldn't find the perfect thing. So instead, I came up with the story I wanted to tell, and now I'm building mechanics around it. And building a set around it, so and, and that's that's I, a that's a big risky thing. And I know because I kind of made a game for Stolen Century, and there are things mm-hmm. I would go back and change. So like this is this is what I'm talking about. If like for some reason, if like the mechanics, if we hit the end of it, like oh, there's stuff I would have changed about that game. Okay, but we're still going to be better. Travis is going to be better because Travis is going to understand game systems in a way mm-hmm. that is going to be like really, really, really informative. Well, um, can may I be yeah, very dude, quick? Dad, talk about because I have to go to talk. Can I talk now. about can yes? I, okay. Uh, mostly because it's the worst kept secret in the world. I had five people come up to me, five students come up to me during class yesterday and say, so you're the new GM, huh? So I'm going to do the first pilot. It is going to be a superhero based. Can I say the game system? Can yeah, I go we're ahead playing, and, playing yeah, fate. We're, we're going to play fate. We're going to use the fate system. So it's, it's uh, uh, all new there. Uh, and, the name of this arc, if you want to call it that, is uh, Taz Commitment. 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 I like that. Um, I Commitment. have I have two ideas. One is sort of a one is in a game called Monster of the Week um, that I I want to be kind of like persona based while still having sort of the monster hunty element of shows like Supernatural and stuff like that um, in a town in West Virginia uh, that I'm very excited about. Um, and I have another story that I want to do using a game called Uncharted Worlds that is kind of a post-Earth space opera about people who try to um, preserve the things that they want to preserve from from Earth uh, that I think is going to be really neat. Those are, those are my two ideas right now. I'm going to do the greatest detective story ever. Okay. Uh, it's... It, it's gonna be great. Um, live shows. We want to mention the live shows real quick. Yeah, we got. We got we've one. already said. Haven't we said that? Like we're. I think so. We got one coming up in November, um, and then or October, and then we in uh, Nashville, and then we have another one coming up in Tacoma. Those will still be Trace Horny Boys, and we'll keep doing that for the um, foreseeable future. Yeah. Let, let's let's wrap up because Juice has to go. But I, I just want to say I've said it a hundred times. Thank you all so much for listening and for giving us this experience. Like. It's not it's not a like I don't want people to think about it in like a crass way like oh you all have helped our careers by making this show successful. You all helped me like personally because I didn't know that this was a thing that we could do. And yeah. and now and now I do and that experience and having this finished thing um that was also really special to a lot of other people. Like that is the thing that matters to me and is going to matter to me for literally the rest of my life. Like this show changed my life. And, um, the, uh, that is like in large part, thanks to the, the, the community that sort of grew up around it. So thank you all so, so, so much. I, I, I will thank, I grew creatively, not just from doing the show, but from how people reacted to it and the feedback they gave. And it taught me a lot about being a creator. Um, and what, what that can mean to people, the things that you create and how important those things can be to people. 
um, was way more informative to me than any actual thing that happened in the story was learning about the impact the story had on others and the kind of responsibility of that. Um, I, I So, yeah, I, thank you, everybody, for listening and, and being a part of it so far. And, and I made a whole bunch of new friends. I mean, a shitload of new friends. I love the, the supporters uh, and the fans and the people who listen. And I got to do it with the three most important people in my life. I mean, who? there's no downside there. Uh, Charlie and mm-hmm. Henry and BB. Um, and I guess for me, just you're welcome. Okay. I, <laughs> I want to make sure. To um, you're welcome. That's it for the, the Adventure Zone Zone. That's it for balance, really. And yes. now we're going to move on to the next thing. We're going to put out a couple live shows while we all take a, I think, well-earned rest. And Especially you. You were amazing. Yeah. Yep. Hooray for Griffin. Griffin. Yay, yeah, Griffin. Yeah. Fi- finally, someone tells Griffin he's doing a good job. Good uh, job, been, Griffin. Been so on that. that note. Uh, oh, 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 the uh, <sighs> new album is up on, on Bandcamp of all the music for the last three arcs of uh, Reunion Tour and Stolen Century and Story and Song. You can get it at griffinmackroy.bandcamp.com and all the album sales uh, through the rest of August are going to the uh, SPLC. Cool. Okay, that's going to do it for us. Bye, everybody. Hang in there. We love you. Next time we talk to you, we'll be doing a new story. Bye. Hang in there. Bye. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hi, I'm comedian Emily Heller. And I'm cartoonist Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. Do you want to learn weird new facts? Do you like hearing successful creative women talk about their poop? Do you want the scoop on Martha Stewart's pony? If you answered yes to any of these questions, our show is for you. We interview people like Paul F. Tompkins, Kristen Shaw, Michael Che, and more. So check us out on Maximum Fun. And let us mess up your brain. Yes, please. <laughs> Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours.